If you will, take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. We've been there all month. A lot of, a lot of material in just a couple of verses. Isn't it amazing? Christmas is all about peace. We get Christmas cards in the mail and they say, peace on earth. And, and may you have a, a, a peaceful season. And peace is one of the key words of our Christmas celebration. And the truth is, it's all about peace. Do you know in the last 5,500 years of our civilization, we've had over 15,000 wars? 15,000. That's what we know about. Today, as we worship here in two battlefronts, Iraq and Afghanistan, we have American soldiers stand in their watch. Tragically, before this week will end, some will die. It's war. There was a period of time in the, in the, uh, the, pay, the period of enlightenment which began that we needed to be more enlightened about life and about ourselves and so forth and so on. Uh, Voltaire was the father of that. But then there, there came about the turn of the 19th century to the 20th century. Uh, people began to say, if we had more enlightenment and more education, we could do away with war. If we could build knowledge, increase the mind, the intellect, we'd do away with war. Well, war, World War I certainly challenged that theory, but World War II proved it to be wrong. And today, while we are very well educated, we've only figured out more sophisticated ways to kill one another. It's not the mind that needs to be changed. It's the heart. It's the heart. Peace is a matter of the heart. Something from within that can change your condition in the midst of a storm. A need for reconciliation is, is the restoration of peace that we so desperately need and desire. Verse 14 of chapter 2, the angels have talked about the good news, a great joy for all the people. A Savior has come to rescue us from sin. But now, let's read verse 13. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people. Watch this. He favors. To the people, he favors. Peace on earth is not a universal prediction or prophecy, but an individual possibility in Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Peace on earth is not a declaration for everyone, but for those who have his favor in their lives. There's never been a greater need for peace and reconciliation than now. 
We have divided homes, damaged children, discarded friendships, destroyed partnerships, and divided churches. There's never been a greater time for reconciliation that brings peace. Christmas is about reconciliation. How do, we, how do we get there? Where do we start? First of all, Jesus offers you peace with God and the end of spiritual war with God. That's where it starts. That's where God's favor starts. You see, the purpose of Christmas was that God would send his son to be the reconciler between me and him, between you and him. It is the war of the wills, if you will, the conflict of natures. We are born with a nature in conflict with God. God is holy, perfect, and pure. We are not perfect, we are not pure, and we are not holy. Therefore, our nature is in constant conflict and rebellion and resistance to the will of God. And we go through life as we grow older, becoming more obvious in our resistance and our rebellion to his will. And so we find ourselves constantly at war with God. And, and, and somewhere we think we're going to win. It has been said that your arms are too short to box with God. He'll always win. But we keep trying, don't we? In our sinful condition, we are consistently at war with God. And the sin that separates us from his love and forgiveness is just as real as light is separate from darkness. Man. Totally opposite. And then he sent Christ Jesus to come. You see, we go through life trying to win the war. We have this emptiness in our life because of our nature, and we figure out we can somehow eradicate that or, or fill that. And so we go through the process of living out our will, resisting God's will, rebelling against God's plan for our lives. And we come away struggling to gain the approval of people around us. We want to gain the approval of others. So we, we, we live a performance-based life thinking, sure, that'll, that everybody will like me, and, and it'll be great, and I'll feel good about myself. Or perhaps... We uh, go through the process of accumulating stuff. Man, if I have all these things I like and I want and I need, I certainly will fill that void in my life and I'll be at peace. Or the activities of self-centered living. Just doing what I want to do, when I want to do it, where I want to do it. Because it's all about me. Surely that'll bring peace to my life. Or maybe expecting others to fill the empty hole in your life. The expectation of your spouse or your children or your best friend. And we get mad at them when they don't fill the hole in our life. Now all that's a product of being at war with God. Say now, Pastor, why do you say that? Well, turn to Romans 5, chapter 10. For if while we were enemies, do you say we're enemies? That's, that's not a good term. That's not even a neutral term. That's a dividing term. He said, while we were enemies to God, at war with God, okay, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. When we were enemies, you got to get this. 
when we were enemies, rebellious, resistant, rejecting of God, why we're so resistant, his son died for us when we were saying no. Jesus died for me, and it took me a long time to say yes. He died for you 2,000 years ago. The whole sole purpose of his coming from heaven to earth was to die to reconcile us to God, to make things right between us and God. He had to do something about our sin. And so the good news of Christmas is that Jesus came to reconcile you to God. Look what it says here. Reconciled to God through the death of his son. And how, then how much more have been reconciled will be saved by his life? Reconciliation is what Jesus does. He brings us to a point where we can have peace with God. The war can be declared over. Guys, you can't win a war against God. You're fooling yourself. You live in deception if you think you can. You can't outlast God. You can't outdo God. You can't outthink God. You can't overpower God. I like to watch movies of the 1800s, 1700s. I love the uh, movies of revolution and various, various wars. I kind of enjoy history. And one of the things that happened when you were in war and engaged with an enemy, there came a point where you realized you were losing. And there would be that moment of surrender. And the, and the general, head of his arms, would come and, and meet with the opposing general and say, here's my sword, I surrender to you unconditionally. You want to have peace with God? You need to surrender your sword. Quit fighting. Quit thinking you're going to win. Nobody's ever won. You surrender your sword. You quit fighting him. You tell him, (laughs) you alone are God. And peace that is beyond description will fill your life. You'll have peace with God. You want peace with God that gives you the assurance of heaven and eternal life when you die and the power to live for him and his kingdom here? Stop fighting and give up. Quit trying to make it happen and let it happen. Man, come to that point of really having peace with God. Quit trying to make it happen. Let it happen. Uh, after you have peace with God, then there's something else that needs to take place. That's coming that relationship. Now you've found his favor. Grace has touched your life. And now grace is working in your life. Now grace is sufficient for whatever you face. So now you have peace with God. His grace is going to bring peace to you now. That means you're no longer at war. You're no longer under condemnation. You're no longer awaiting God's judgment. You now know that he loves you. Now because of that, Jesus also offers you the peace of God. Not with God, but of God. During uncontrollable circumstances, with unchangeable people, and unexplainable problems. That's a big sentence, and that covers a lot. And it should. What do we mean by that? Uncontrollable circumstances are things like illness, 
disease. What's happened this morning with Davis, that's uncontrollable. They were planning on being at church. Perhaps your, your week has been turned upside down by something or sickness and, or death, the loss of a loved one. Uncontrollable. We don't control death. Bad economy, loss of a job. That's uncontrollable circumstances that certainly affect your peace. Unchangeable people. That's, you know what that is? That's just simply un- <laughs> those refusing to cooperate with your plan to change them. That's, un- <laughs> that's unchangeable people. Perhaps it's an unreasonable employer or a rebellious child and different spouse. I, I don't know, but all those would certainly challenge peace in your life. Unexplainable problems. That's simply when life is unfair. Life's just really unfair. You go, man, I can't believe that's just don't seem right. And you begin to wrestle and struggle and question and doubt. Guys, we've all been there. Something happens and it just doesn't, it's unexplainable. My daughter Vicki, upon going to a mission trip in Missouri to help someone and, 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 and serve the Lord in a special way. And she worked hard, did a great job that week, and helped people in the process of doing something to help and clear out a yard. She was bit by a tick. She got, Lyme. She got two diseases from that tick bite that have devastated her life. At one point, she was dying, and by God's grace and your prayer, she's doing well. But there's a time I'm saying to God, you know, in my mind, this don't quite seem fair. Lord, I don't, this is unexplainable to me. And I know theology. I know what theology says. I got that, guys. I got that. I know that. But sometimes theology is not enough. You need the peace of God that takes that knowledge you have and brings it to life in you. And sometimes it's a process of wrestling with the pain. And the unexplained that brings you to a greater level of understanding and knowing God and realizing He's God. I, um, peace. Guys, there's times in our lives we stand in the middle of a storm and we're saying, God, where are you? I didn't know it'd be like this. Where's the peace that you promised? I've asked, uh, originally Kevin had planned to sing this song uh, because I can't sing, or if I could, I would, but Kevin was going to sing this. But Garrett's kind of filling in for him because I believe Kevin needs to hear this more than sing it, quite honestly. In December of 1862, Robert E. Lee was a part of the Battle of Fredericksburg. In that battle, 50,000 men died.
The losses were so great that that Christmas Eve they had finally received names and the paper began to post and write in the paper the names of those that had died or were seriously wounded and would not recover. And in, the, in, the, in Washington, they, they had asked the churches to play Christmas bells every five seconds in honor of one who had died. And so if you catch the picture from Christmas Eve all through Christmas Day, the Christmas bells are ringing various carols that can be heard throughout the town. Henry Wordsworth Longfellow, we're very familiar with him. We read a lot of his stuff and his writings. Would read that his son was seriously wounded and would not recover and would die. He would listen to the bells all day. And this is what he would say. Merry Christmas, say the children, but that is no more for me. There is no Merry Christmas. His heart was broken. Grief set in. Despair and depression. In the process, also shortly after this time, because of their grief and so forth, they, his wife was, was burned. She had her uh, clothes caught on fire by a candle and she burned to death. And trying to save her, he, he was severely damaged in his face. And the despair only grew. And then... On Christmas Day of 1864, two years later, a two-year journey, he wrote, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. I want you to listen to the song because it's going to take you the journey of this man's life. Listen to them carefully and let it minister to you. I heard the bells on Christmas Day Their old familiar carols play And mild and sweet their songs repeat Of peace on earth, goodwill to men And the bells are ringing Like a choir they're singing In my heart I hear them Peace on earth, goodwill to man And in despair I bowed my head there is no peace on earth, I said For hate is strong and mocks the song Of peace on earth, goodwill to men But the bells are ringing 
like a choir singing. Does anybody hear them? Peace on earth, goodwill to man. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to man. Then ringing, singing on its The world revolved from night to day A voice, a chime, a chant sublime Of peace on earth, goodwill to men And the bells they're ringing Like a choir they're singing And with our hearts we'll hear them Peace on earth, goodwill to men Do you hear the bells they're ringing? The life the angels singing Open up your heart and hear them Peace on earth, goodwill to men Peace on earth Peace on earth Peace on earth, goodwill to man. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Peace came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And as God sends his favor and grace to us, we can experience that peace with God and, and of God. I, I won that song because I, when I read the story, I, I looked at this man's two-year journey of despair and discouragement and depression. And I wanted you to see something. I hope you heard it. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. This is sad, isn't it? I mean, this is sad. This man's heart is breaking. And in that second year, God shows up. That's what I want you to get. God shows up. 
For as he begin to write this, he's writing because he's inspired. He tells us, let me tell you where I've been for two years. There is no such thing as Merry Christmas. But watch when the peace of God shows up. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Peace on earth is not a prophecy of peace, but a prescription of peace for the person in the, found in, the, in Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's for the heart. It's for the individual. It's peace. You say, well, how do I have that peace? How do I get that peace of God? Pastor, you have no idea what I'm going through. And I probably don't. I have no idea the deep hurt, the pain, the fear, whatever you may be going through. But I, I'm here to tell you, here's how you get it. I get peace with God from surrender, but I get peace of God from dependence on Him. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace the mind that is dependent on you, for it is trusting in you. Through my heart I receive peace of salvation when I surrender. But now my heart and mind connect spiritually. My spiritual nature now feeds my mind, it feeds my life. And now I can depend, I take truth, I take knowledge, I take understanding and apply it to my life. And God shows up as I depend on Him. As I confess my dependence and need for Him. As by faith I receive what He offers. It is daily and sometimes moment by moment dependence. I, we're all familiar with the, uh, it's that daily dependence in the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're all familiar with that, those, those, those serenity prayer. And, and you, know, you buy it for plaques, and people give them a lot for Christmas. They're kind of nice plaques and things to give away. But we don't get the whole prayer. The prayer's incredible. We know the first part. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I, that I can and wisdom to know the difference. That's great. But that's not the best part of the prayer. Here's the meat of the prayer. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. As he did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. That's the prayer. That I may surrender, that I may be daily aware of my need for him, of my dependence on him, my trust in him. Guys, if you're going to have peace of God, it comes from saying, God, I can't do it without you. I can't make it without you. I can't make it work without you. I can't change those circumstances or those people or, or those problems without you. And he comes on the scene. I want to tell you, my dear friend, fellow believer, I, I don't know what you may be going through and what Christmas may be like for you this year. But I want to tell you, he will come on the scene. He will show up. And peace will become very real to you. I don't know what you're going through. It doesn't matter. He's bigger than anything you're facing. His peace will show up. 
And he'll make himself real to you as the very breath you breathe. That I know. That I know. So if I have the peace of God and peace with God, there's one other thing. Jesus empowers you to make peace with others through reconciliation that ends hostility. If I am aware of the importance of peace in my life and I receive this peace through grace and am saved and then I am no longer at war with God and now I can live moment by moment asking for his peace and receiving his peace in the due season, then I now need to be a peacemaker with others. Just plain and simple. Christmas is the season of peace. Is the time to say, I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to fight anymore. Hostility is the result of war. And we look at this, and so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says this. Now everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now in its context, it's talking about as, as Christ became our reconciler and brought us to God and made peace with, with, with us and God by eradicating our sins. So now I need to help others come to know Christ by sharing my story of faith that they can be reconciled to God and experience the grace of God. That's what it's talking about. But also, if I will do that and be effective, I must be a reconciler with all people. I must be a peacemaker with all. I don't get to the joy or the, or the, the, uh, the uh, expense of being at war with everybody. We're in a state of war, it seems like, all the time. In our families, with our children, with our jobs, in our churches. He's saying, guys, it's time that we understand what reconciliation is. That we cease the hostilities. You see, he's saying you need to work to stop conflict, not continue to stir it. The truth is, we get pretty good at stirring it. We know what buttons to push, what words to say, what looks to give, and we know, hey, it works. And that's actually called hostility, which gets in the way of reconciliation. He said, I want you to have the peace with each other. That you have with me. Now, let me help you understand this for a minute. Reconciliation, I, I would focus on reconciliation, which is making things right. Uh, it, that's a focusing on the relationship. Reconciliation says, I don't want to be at war with you anymore. I'm not going to be hostile to you anymore. I'm not going to be ugly to you or unkind to you. All right? It's reconciliation. When I was saved, I was reconciled to God. He said, you are my child. I am now not going to be condemning to you. I'm not going to be unkind to you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to change you. I will discipline you because that's resolving your problems. That's not dealing with your person. I'm reconciled to God in my person. I'm right with God. He's not hostile to me. Now, Reconciliation and, res- and resolution are two different things. Resolution is solving the problems. And God's still doing that with me. He's still working on my problems. We've been at it. And he ain't through yet. Nor is he through with you. 
He's still resolving things in my life. That's a process of time. And there's times where you may be reconciled to someone, meaning I'm, I, I want to stop hostility. We may need to sit and be honest about the problems. We may need to invest in the problem and, and focus on the problem. And, and invest in what will it take and, and take the journey of resolving the problem. But reconciliation is I no longer want to be hostile. I don't be ugly and kind. I want us to have peace. We might not agree. We might not ever come to agreement. But the Christian is to display something quite unusual other from the world. We're not to be caught up in the business of getting even. Or an eye for an eye. We're to turn the other cheek. Eyes hard sometimes. That's what we do. Christmas came in Christ. It was saying that that God is more than willing to forgive you, that you may be at peace with him. How can I do less for someone else? And so we we see this, this this need for, so you you focus on reconciliation and relationships, and, and you and you pray for resolution, and you pray that God works and begins to focus on the problem. Also, if I'm going to do this and understand reconciliation, it takes place because we forgive. Man, if I, peace and forgiveness go hand in hand. Forgiveness simply is the point that I can be free. Forgiveness should be free and instant. You forgive. It deals with what's happened in the past. And you say, I'm ready to let that go. You see, here's the danger. If we're not careful, if we do not forgive, then we, then we hold on to things. And, and it begins to develop a root of bitterness that brings a poison to our life. And now we're irritable and, and, and aggravating. And we're, we're hard to be around. And that poison pours out, pours out on other people. And, and, and it's, a, it's a death blow to your life. It'll raise your blood pressure. It'll give you ulcers in your stomach. It'll, it'll, it'll devastate your joy. It'll affect your relationship to God and those around you because bitterness dominates your life. He's saying, guys, let's, let's let go of that. Jesus came to say, we ain't got to live this way. We ain't got to spend our life trying to how to get even. We just let go and let God deal with the results. Don't want to be at war with people. You forgive. Now, be discerning in trust. Trust and forgiveness are not the same thing. I can forgive you, but I may not trust you because trust is now in the future, and I must be discerning in when I can trust you again and to what level I can trust you. That's different. But forgiveness is the thing that's how I don't want to retaliate. I don't want to get even. I don't want to settle the score. And you determine how much time it would take to trust. Trust may never be rebuilt. Sometimes we confuse the two. Forgiveness is saying, I just don't want to get even with you. I don't want to get you back. You hurt me, but I'm giving up the right to hurt you. Christmas is the season to offer the grace of forgiveness to others as God has offered it to us. The, um, 
Man, life can be so hard. Denise Jackson, that name probably means nothing to you, but it is the wife of Alan Jackson. And if you're a country music fan, that name means something to you. Incredible singer and entertainer. She wrote a book, this neat little book, and and, um, it's about their journey through a divided home and a decaying marriage. It's about a woman who found faith in a whole new way, and God came on the scene. And, and here's what she said, one of the excerpts from her book. I just want to read it to you. God, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how you feel about today or tomorrow, and I don't know what Christmas Day is going to be like at your house. But God comes on the scene, and here's what she said. When she wasn't sure what her mar- if her marriage would make it if Adam would come back home. God is with you no matter what. He is stronger than the challenges in front of you. You can trust him. Even though you can't see how your story will turn out. Know that the end is in his hands. That's when you come to peace, my friend. When you could quit trying to make it happen. Force it. You say, God, it's just in your hands. I'm not going to be indifferent or passive. I'm going to now be walking the way you want me to walk and doing what you want me to do. I'm active and involved in it, but I can't make it happen. She had a quote that she put when she wrote this from Corey Tim Boone. I've held many things in my hands and I've lost them all, but whatever I've placed in God's hands, that I still possess. That's where you find peace, ladies and gentlemen. It's not in how strong your hands are. It's in trusting how strong his hands are. And peace comes. Peace comes. Would you bow your heads with me?